Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, January 14th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. And in our feature discussion, I'm going to be convinced that Peacemaker is awesome and it's something I should watch. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta. And joining me on his podcast is Slash Film Staff Writer. Danielle Ryan. Hello. Watch Peachmaker. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that. Uh, Danielle has a, well, welcome back to the podcast. You were on an episode with Ben last month, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're back, but he didn't do the, you know, the, the slash film hazing ritual, which uh, <laughs> which I like to, to do when we have new writers on the site. Uh, something I started was having them list their top 10 movie or top 15 movies of all time, their favorite movies. Uh, so when you're on the podcast, because uh, people might not know what kind of uh, movie person you are. Uh, so, I, so I thought like I would give you a chance to kind of introduce your movie taste by telling us like about your favorite movies. Absolutely. So uh, my favorite movies tend to be a little irreverent, uh, a little silly, um, 
and a little dark. So uh, <laughs> some of my favorites include like James Gunn's Slither is way up there. Uh, Cecil B. Demented by John Waters and really any John Waters. Um, I also really love In Bruges and the work of Martin McDonough. I really love just basically anything that makes me laugh, but also <laughs> makes me think. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of a, a weird challenge sometimes can be hard to find but i also like uh exploitation cinema and just kind of a weird weird hodgepodge of of faves yeah i'm looking at your list right now and i would say probably the biggest movie on there in terms of like a budget was probably mad max jerry road Maybe? yeah definitely it would be that i would say the two big ones that people know would be well that blade runner and pulp fiction are the three that are sort of like classically regarded sort of films. Yeah. Um, but I do also love like bringing a baby, you know, which is a screwball <laughs> comedy. That's like the complete opposite of everything else I just talked about. So yeah. And all dogs go to heaven, which I, I don't think I've ever seen on anybody's top 10, li t 10 list. So uh, that that's uh, fun to see on this list. Um, and I mean, we always have people do these and they're not the, I mean, I'm bet I'm betting you if you said, if we gave you the assignment, you know, list the 10 best movies of all time, it wouldn't be your favorite movies of all time. So it's like the assignment is your favorite movies of all time. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very different uh, than best. Because <laughs> if it was best, I'd be like, oh, it's, you know, this like very, it'd be mostly very prestigious <laughs> things. There'd be a few, you know, things I'd slip in there that I'd be like, come on, this yeah. is, you know. Like like Magic Ma uh, excuse me Magic Mike XXL that movie masterpiece we have to slide have, that in there I haven't seen that okay it's so sweet maybe I gotta see it you're convinced me I need to see all sorts of movies today in um, your number two I mean you mentioned that James Gunn Slither is on your list but it's it's your number two movie of all time and I I, I actually love that movie I think that might be his I don't know, actually it's hard because I love Guardians mm -hmm. of the Galaxy as well. Both those movies are like my favorites of his. Um, I love everything of his. Uh, Slither, it's funny because Slither and Cecil B. Demented sort of switch spots all the time for two and one. Um, and then uh, Death to Smoochie, which didn't make the cut because I forgot that it existed for some reason, is also <laughs> right up there. Uh, but I, I love Gunn. I love everything he's done going back to his trauma days. Uh, oh, so. yeah. Uh, love Slither, love Super, even though I can only watch it every so often because it's <laughs> super depressing. That, that's uh, the only gun film I think I don't like. I don't know rough. why I don't like it. Like, I should like it. It's but, pretty dark. Yeah. I think it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. And well, you know. it was marketed. It was marketed as like a really straightforward comedy. And then you watch it and it's much more of a drama and it's really sad and heartfelt and it's not just this like screwball gross out comedy that you thought it would be it's kind of like that uh seth rogan observant report where you're like oh yeah it's just like a darker version of uh you know mall cop and then you watch it and you're like oh no no it's not <laughs> okay with that out of the way let's jump into the news uh really quickly before we get to peacemaker uh, well, let's talk about a bunch of things that have been announced for TV. And let's start that out with a Quantum Leap sequel series. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, so uh, they announced um, last night NBC is moving forward with a Quantum Leap sequel series pilot. So if the pilot gets ordered a series, we could see a Quantum Leap sequel. Um, Way back in September, because time's a flat circle, uh, Scott Bakula was talking about how the only thing keeping him from moving forward or them from moving forward with a Quantum Leap series was uh, some of the rights. Um, this announcement does not say Bakula is coming back, but people kind of think it's that's you know what's going to happen. Um, the new series would follow a new group of people as they try to use uh, Sam's technology uh, to go through time and maybe find him. So we could see maybe a new cast starting out and Bakula could show up like halfway through. But I have no idea how this is going to work since Quantum Leap was <laughs> so heartfelt and hopeful and a little corny and people just don't have the patience for that these days. But I, I would like to see it. I mean, I have hope for Ziggy. Yeah. I mean, that seems kind of like the Force Awakens uh, setup, right? Mm -hmm. Like Ray is on the, the search for Luke and hopefully she finds him in that movie. And hopefully it's not before the end of, you know, uh, season one of Quantum Leap, uh, whatever they call it. Um, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it kind of makes me wonder because the original Quantum Leap series, correct me if I'm wrong, like it didn't have like an ending. No, right? it ended with um, basically like they wrapped up some of the uh, like the storyline for that episode and like the previous few. But at the very end, it's like, oh, Sam never made it home. That was the whole thing. It just says Sam never made it home. And so for a long time, fans have been like, oh, every single thing Bakula's in, that's Sam. Uh, <laughs> even even Enterprise, which, you know, really gets your brain going if you start thinking about the Quantum Leap Star Trek crossovers. But it's uh, now we're we could get more Quantum Leap. There is potential. I want to see that video essay that goes through his entire career since and tries to reason how it's Sam. But um yeah, I don't like. It, it, what was it about like TV shows in the '80s and '90s that things just went off the air and that, that? Like, I feel like that would not happen. I mean, I guess it does happen when like a TV show gets canceled. Like, um, and yeah, there, there, there's tons of mysteries that have been unsolved yeah. because they expected another season. But I feel like you know, I remember the last episode of Elf. He uh, he got like captured by the FBI or dinosaurs. Or the, oh yeah, dinosaurs. The end of dinosaurs, where it's like, "What's up? <laughs> Meteorite's gonna hit." Good job. Like, I think TV that was intentional. I think that was kind of dark. bleakly funny and dark. Oh, it was hilarious. Yeah. But I watched that show as a kid, and I was traumatized. I was like, "What? Not the mama?" Um, <laughs> it, it, shows had less. I think that fan culture, since we didn't have the internet, we didn't have the this outcry immediately. Uh, I think they were just a little braver and they were a little bit more willing to just say, all right, this is how it ends. Deal with it. Yeah, I feel like back then you would be lucky if you found someone that like watched the same show as you that you could talk about it. Like the whole elf thing, getting him getting abducted by the FBI at the end of that series and like it being a cliffhanger that never paid off to anything. I spent years trying to like talk to people like, oh, did, you, did they ever air another episode? Like, you know, there wasn't an IMDb back then. Like I'm dating myself. Um, but, <laughs> like, you know, I, I just want to know what happened to Elf. 
and uh, it turns out nothing. You know, we never. Oh, got it's. That. I, I used to watch. I was obsessed with the James Cameron show, Dark Angel. Uh, I really liked the show Sliders. There's like all oh, these yeah. shows where it's like nothing. It just ends. It's just oh well, good, good luck. Um, and I mean, I'll I'll take that over a really bad ending for sure. Like <laughs> I will take that over those shows that are like, oh crap, we have to wrap this up in two episodes because we just got canceled. Those tend to not be as great. So, um, yeah, you know yeah. what? At least we got the show. Nowadays, there'll be fan campaigns. There'll be flying, you know, planes over Comic Con with banners telling to. Yeah, people are still <laughs> trying to get Firefly brought back. I'm like, y'all. <laughs> I love it too, but it's been like 25, like, let it go. Yeah. I, I just wonder, like, I don't know, we're still in the like legacy reboot phase where like, even this sounds like it's kind of like that legacy equal kind of thing where they're introducing a new cast and, you know, maybe Sam will be involved and maybe we'll get uh, more of his story or, or conclusion to his story. Uh, I'm wondering if we're going to move full on into like a sequel series kind of like era because like, I don't know, it just seems like there's so much investment in those characters and the whole idea of like a legacy equal seems to be so driven by corporations that greenlight these things are like, oh, we want to create like, you know, new, new IP, new toys, new but it feels like to me that the fans want to see the old thing, more of the old thing. Yeah. Not, not that I'm like uh, saying we need more of the old thing. <laughs> no, but it, you, you, I think you're totally onto something. The, there's an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode where they um, go to a focus group for the movie Thundergun that they're obsessed with. And it, <laughs> and it turns out Thundergun is going to become a legacy sequel. And that it's, you know, Dolph Lundgren's characters passing down the torch to this to his son and the gang on Sunny are just furious. And I feel like a lot of people are that way. They're like, no, I don't want to watch these new guys. I want to watch the old guy. That's what I'm here for. So I, I yeah. think that is definitely a sentiment. And, uh, you know, which sometimes is understandable. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, okay, again, calm down. You're getting content. Yeah. Uh, we have two more series that have been announced. Uh, these are from Disney Plus because, you know, Disney Plus is trying to uh, create shows out of any IP that they possibly own. The first of which is the Santa Claus series. So Tim Allen has signed on to return, and it's uh, has uh, the person who did Thirty Rock, Modern Family, is on board to be the showrunner. Uh, the, the 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 synopsis here. I'm going to read the synopsis. Is uh, Scott is on the brink of his 65th birthday and realizing. He can't be Santa forever. He's starting to lose a step in his Santa duties. And more importantly, he's got a family who could benefit from the, a life in the normal world, especially as two kids who have grown up at the pole. With a lot of elves, children, and family to please, Scott sets out to find a suitable replacement, Santa, while preparing his family for a new adventure in, in a life south of the pole. So this seems like the same kind of thing where i mean i guess he he's going to be the star here but it, it seems like a setup of like maybe this first season is him finding a new santa and then like if they do another season it's the new santa yeah that's kind of what it seems like to me and i just I, who is clamoring for a santa claus sequel that's kind of what i like the, the first <laughs> movie was cute like i like the whole concept whoops i accidentally killed santa now i am santa it was kind of fun but like 
I don't know, maybe if they'd uh, somebody accidentally killed the Tim Allen character and they had to just redo it, I'd be more interested. I don't know. I think people have been so mad about that, but <laughs> but um, I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it does seem like there's a huge market in these holiday movies and shows. Like, Netflix has really made a go at it with all the stuff that they release around holiday time. So I think, I don't know, cynical me is that, like, you know, does anybody actually want an, another Santa Claus movie or TV show? I don't know, but I think there's probably D- Disney's just like, there's a market for Christmas stuff. What kind of Christmas IP do we have? That oh, makes Tim, sense. Tim Allen. Uh, he's, he's mad that. Uh, <laughs> he's mad about Lightyear. Lightyear? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll give him a show. Maybe he'll be happy about that. <laughs> so Maybe. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was Real Steel. This is, was a movie from Sean Le- Levy, and it was produced by Steven Spielberg. And I actually think it's a it underrated um, film. Oh, did you like Real Steel? It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the movie, which like you just can't be mad about that. It's fun. It's a fun family movie. Like. I see nothing wrong with it. It's <laughs> it's it's inoffensive. It's fun. It's sweet. It's cute, and it's rock'em sock'em robots. Yeah, I'm I'm on board. You're on board, but it doesn't seem like you're, you're excited to for them to potentially do a TV series of Real Steel. If they get Hugh Jackman back, I would be more excited. <laughs> but I don't foresee that happening. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that happening. This, this to me. Again, cynical me and thinking Disney's like looking at things. I think they're looking at Cobra Kai and they're like, you know, what can we do that's like Cobra Kai? Oh, we we, we now have the the rights to real steel. Um, I don't know. It also seems like it would be very expensive to me. I mean, obviously, Disney's willing to put the money in. We've seen it with the Star Wars shows, the Marvel shows. But. It seems like this is just so CG heavy with these, you know, Rock'em Sock'em robots. I'm not sure if it will look good on TV. I think it's just going to really depend on how they yeah. do it. I think it's it's they're going to be have to be careful that they don't do sort of like some of the Transformers films where you can only see their feet and things just get kind of <laughs> lost in, in translation. I think it's definitely doable. Uh, I would love to see them do it with maybe anima- like more animatronics and actually like really try to go for something that looked like actual robot fights. That'd be cool. That would um, be amazing. Uh, until then, I'll just keep watching BattleBots on Discovery Plus. It's yeah. cool. I do want to say I did. I was lucky enough to visit the set of Real Steel, and uh, not that I should be like so excited to to say I visited the set of Real Steel, but it was really cool seeing how they put these. Uh, robot fights into action because they shot it in like this abandoned like car it was like in detroit and it was like a car factory that they they shot the fight i was watching in they had this ring in the middle and they had all these performance capture like cameras all over and they had already animated the fight in you know in the computer space and Basically, the cameras had these like trackers on them so that the cameraman could shoot, you know, the people watching the fight. They could could shoot the fight. And basically in the camera monitor, they would see 
in the 3D space, like augmented reality, I guess is what you'd call it today, you would see the robots. So they were able to shoot the fights like as if they were there because they had already, yeah, it it was like, I was like, this is next level. I I hope they are able to do something like that. You know, I mean, Disney's pushing stuff with the whole stagecraft and stuff. So that that would be kind of cool if they use this to maybe push that into the next evolution of it. But um, okay, let, let, let's get to our feature presentation here. And this is about Peacemaker. This is the new series from James Gunn. It's on HBO Max. And Danielle, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm I'm not super excited for the show as much as I love James Gunn. And the reason why is the Suicide Squad, which was a mo- one of my favorite movies of the year, actually. Um, I really enjoyed the Suicide Squad, but... And I, I'm an old school wrestling fan, so I I like John Cena, and I actually like what he's doing in Hollywood now nowadays. But that character in that movie was my least favorite part of that film. Yeah, that's totally fair, uh, and is pretty much how I felt uh, prior to the show as well. I was really concerned when I heard you know the Peacemaker announcement. They're like, "Oh, we're doing a Peacemaker show." I was like, "How?" How in the world <laughs> are you going to make me care about this character for an entire season or more of a show when I kind of like at when the the post credit scene in Suicide Squad that happens and it's revealed that he was still alive? I was like, no, well, you've <laughs> taken that from me. I was he he died. I liked that. I was happy about that. But somehow James Gunn pulled it off, and and Peacemaker is really really thought-provoking um while still being absolutely hilarious and vulgar and ridiculous and we're given a reason for why he is the way he is and as he starts to grow uh hopefully people can grow along with him and i think it's really fascinating stuff where where does this show take place what is the show about like uh plot wise So the show is right after Peacemaker gets let out of the hospital. Uh, He thinks he's going back to prison. He thinks he's going back to Belle Reve and he isn't and he's confused. And uh, so the, he finds out that the reason he's not going back is because he's part of another secret team. Uh, And (laughs) the first team was project starfish. This team's project butterfly because they're not really very creative with names uh, Amanda Waller is behind this one as well. Uh, she's controlling everything sort of behind the scenes, and he's hooked up with a new team to go uh, execute a senator. That's pretty much all he knows is that he has to go kill this guy. And that's where our show starts is just with him sort of trying to figure out what his life is now that he's been a, he's been in prison for four years. Then he had everything happen in Corto Maltese. He killed his hero, and he's just a a mess of a human being. And in your review, you said this is probably one of the best things that James Gunn has ever done, which is big, a big claim considering, you know, your second favorite movie of all time is Slither. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, unless he completely whiffs it in the finale, which, uh, I have not (laughs) seen because it didn't go out with screeners. Uh, they were keeping us, keeping us on our toes. Uh, so unless he totally beefs it in that finale, this is the most emotionally intelligent and 
thought-provoking thing Gunn's ever done, um, but it still has all of his trademark grossness and silliness <laughs> and sex and drugs and rock and roll and vulgarity and heads exploding and everything you'd expect from him. But at the same time, it also has just these really deep themes and and it asks a lot of questions we really need to be asking ourselves, specifically Americans right now, because it's about radicalization. It's about divides between people and how if we, you know, shout each other down or ignore each other, that things will only continue to deteriorate. And then that becomes, you know, radicalization. And that's how we end up with really awful people like Peacemaker's dad. Uh, it's it's not the easiest watch in places. There are some episodes that left me afterwards. I was like, I need to go take a walk. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love uh, your subheading in the review. It says, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll possibly vomit. Yeah, yeah. You will feel things. You will absolutely feel things. Uh, you will be grossed out. There are some gore gags that I was shocked uh, I mean, and I'm a big horror movie buff. I love good gore gags, but there was stuff in this that I was like, I can't believe they did that. Uh, you get to see a person's face like a piece of pizza. Just it's awful. Oh, gross. <laughs> it's so gross, but it's so funny. Um, yeah, it's it's what really like, good. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get like, I mean, I'll, I, I'm trying to get a hold of what this is like. Like if you had to compare this to any other TV show. I mean, I feel like if I asked you what is this like, you'd be like, it's like a James Gunn movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like any other TV show, that's for sure. I would say the closest thing I could think of would be something like Doom Patrol. Um, and even then, it's not quite <laughs> there. Like, Doom Patrol is still very 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 earnest and sweet uh and it gets vulgar and weird too but i feel like it's not as i don't know it's not as rough around the edges um yeah yeah peace peacemakers just a lot rougher around the edges it's a lot more intentionally vulgar and it's a little bit more uh provoking intentionally i think um i there's a little bit of anger there i think behind behind peacemaker i think it's kind of a, hey, wake up kind of call in some ways. And um, it's about radical empathy, but it's also about, you know, just paying attention. It's good stuff. Yeah. And you say that there's like a, you know, it's funny, but it's also a heartbreaking exploration of heavy themes. And I, I know you've touched on a, a couple of those, but I don't know. I guess that was not something I was expecting from a Peacemaker show. Yeah, so the um, the fourth episode, no spoilers, but I will just say the fourth episode, yeah. I broke down and sobbed. Um, wow. I cried because, and in it, because of the character of Peacemaker, because of Cena's performance, because of the dialogue, because of what happens. Um, and it relates so deeply to, to trauma and to how people process their trauma and how many people push people away instead of dealing with the things that hurt them and for you know them to dig into peacemaker this way and like why is he such a jerk well because he's been treated like a jerk his whole life and so when they break into that stuff it can be really painful um especially with regards to his dad played by robert patrick uh the t-1000 is the worst dad on the planet and uh <laughs> 
some of the scenes with with him and his dad are just oh they're heartbreaking they're just really really sad because you can see how much he wants his dad to love him and appreciate him and I mean, even from Suicide Squad, we know he doesn't. Did Gunn direct all the episodes? He directed five of the eight episodes. Uh, the episode that made me cry was directed by Jody Hill, which like makes oh, wow. all of the sense in the world, honestly. <laughs> it's such a Jody Hill episode, too. I watched who, who it twice. Who you already referenced in, in this podcast already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, more stuff that'll make you cry. Uh, but... Uh, it's, How is like like James Gunn? When I think of a James Gunn movie, I, I think of all the things you've described already about it being you know vulnerable, about like something greater, but also you know from a more uh, I guess on the surface level, it also is v- usually very stylistic and has a great soundtrack. Oh yeah, and you get lots of that here. Uh, it's a heavy metal show, hair metal. 80s bands, uh, more modern European bands that are doing 80s type hair metal stuff. The soundtrack is awesome. I've been listening to it while I write (laughs) basically all my Peacemaker articles. I just listen to it on repeat um, because it's so high energy. It's so much fun. Uh, There's like two or three songs on it. I'm like, oh, I know that song. But the rest are completely new to me, which is awesome because usually gun soundtracks, I'm like, oh, I know spirit in the sky i know you know the things from guardians and even suicide squad i was like oh pixie they they usually have like one or two deep cuts but most of them are like yeah they've been around yeah this is mostly deep cuts uh i think like the only song i remember going oh my gosh was uh kiss me deadly by lita ford everything else i'm like (laughs) i think i know that song or whoa what is that uh there's also a great cover of pumped up kicks if you've ever wanted to hear like a metal-ish <laughs> cover of Foster the People. It's uh, it's there. And Gunn is actually putting out, he put a playlist together of all of the songs from the first three episodes. It's on Spotify. And uh, he'll be adding to them each week. So I'm super excited to kind of see what keeps getting added because I'm like, this is going to just be my playlist all the time now. It's That's good awesome. And so the first three episodes came out yesterday. How are they releasing these? First three came out yesterday, and then they are going to be released once per week uh, until the final episode, which is eight, and that's going to be sometime in February. Um, So, yeah, the first three were yesterday. Next week, we will get episode four, which is the one that makes me cry and was directed by Jody Hill. Uh, (laughs) And then the next three after that. Very cool. And I'm, I'm guessing Gunn is probably directing the finale. I believe so, yeah. Um, Yeah. I would I would assume as much. I did not pay attention to, to which ones he directed other than the Jody Hill one because it just stuck out in my head because uh, it is so brutally mean. It's such a mean episode. <laughs> and Jody Hill's humor is just brutal. Yeah, yeah, always. Um, and, and your review was actually, did Gunn like pointed it out on his Twitter, right? Yeah, Gunn, uh, he retweeted it. He uh, replied to my review with a little hands praying thing you know thank you and uh when i actually did a round table he was like oh hey danielle thanks for the review and uh i like floated on air for the rest of the weekend because i was just like (laughs) he recognized me oh my god well he's so kind and he he's one of those people that like reads the movie sites even you know there's the people that like get the google alerts and read the thing just about them well, he he actually just reads all the sites. So oh, he, he's he's, he's a, one of us. He's a nerd. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah. that's he's he's a big old movie nerd, and I think that's part of why I love him and his work so much is because <laughs> it's like one of us, one of us. Uh, I mean, he, he's a trauma guy. He has to be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we, you did a bunch of cover, coverage around Peacemaker. Is there anything in particular you want to plug? Uh, I think the big thing is just the the main spoiler-free review because I feel like that's the best way to just figure out what the heck this show is. And, you know, there's no spoilers, so you can read that and go decide whether or not this is going to be the thing for you. Uh, and then there is one other piece, uh, how Peacemaker, how James Gunn's, like, stretches the boundaries of uh, comic book storytelling or something like that. I can't remember the exact headline because there's a million headlines in my head, but uh, that was from our round table. And I asked Gunn how he managed to ban balance tone. And he gave me a really, really good answer about how he balances, you know, fart jokes with existential crisis. So. And for those of uh, you out there that are listening, that are going to be watching this, and want to have, you know, some more exploration of spoilers. You're actually going to be doing episode recaps? Yes. Yes, I did uh, recaps for episodes one through three. Those all went up yesterday. So they are on the site now if you want to go check them out. And I will be doing weekly recaps every Friday as soon as uh, people kind of get a chance to watch it a little bit. They'll be going up Friday day. Very cool. I'll link all that in the show notes. You can find more of all of our work at Slash Home. You can find... This podcast, Slash Home Daily, on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashhome.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friend, to tell your friends, hopefully you have more than one friend, uh, spread the word. And we'll see you. Uh, actually, we're not going to see you on Monday as usual because it's, it's a holiday. It's a company holiday here. So we'll see you on Tuesday. Have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs>